Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the live exchange where we exchange compelling dialogue around humanity, intellect, and change every Thursday from 11 to 1. Now, I am not Dr. Pam. If you are a regular watcher and viewer of the show, you're probably like, where? That's, that doesn't look like Dr. Pam, and it is not. Although, um, I have been on the show several times with Dr. Pam, but she is away doing some historical stuff, and we're going to get to that during our trending topics and where she is and what she's doing, so you do not want to miss that. But um, I am Lee Ashby Watts, and I am delighted to be here today just to lead this powerful discussion. We are going to have an awesome show today talking about women in leadership. And we have four dynamic powerhouse women who are going to talk to us about all kinds of topics. They come from different sectors, from finance, from marketing, design work, um, social media, um, staffing, one built a staffing agency from the ground up. So we have some exciting topics to discuss today with these women and just getting to know these women, following them on social media, keeping up with them and just getting inspiration. We know this past week we have seen women take the stage, right? Do some amazing, powerful things. So this is the time. This is such a great time to talk about women in leadership. So we're going to get to our guests shortly, um, starting with two of our guests. And then the second hour, we're going to come to the next two guests. And um, so you do not want to miss any of this. Tag your favorite woman, um, tag your favorite young woman who may need some inspiration, tag that woman who is um, struggling in her leadership and just trying to figure out what to do next. So you do not want to miss today's show. And then again, as we continue to take in and revel over what's happening in the country and just voting in the first woman vice president, it is without a doubt that women have a heavy imprint in leadership. But how do we stay there? How do we maintain it? How do we keep up the momentum and leadership? And more importantly, how do we continue to have the right mindset and to be, go- to be good on the outside and on the inside? So we're going to talk about that. And also, I'm excited to talk about another issue with one of our speakers today, and that is um, generational wealth. So um, that's going to be really, really exciting. So today our guests and I will discuss what it takes to be women in leaders in business and the self-awareness that is required to face challenges and develop effective strategies. So again, you do not want to miss today's show. So again, tag your favorite woman. Get ready, get your, and actually get your notes 
in, in a piece of paper because today is not just going to be you just passively watching. I want you all to be taking notes and thinking about as you go into 2021, what are you going to change? How are you going to come more fierce and ready to conquer a new year, whether we're in a pandemic or not? All right. So this is such an excellent topic as we go into the end of the year and look at our goals for 2021. So get ready to hear some awesome um, strategies from some of these four dynamic women and how you as a woman, or if you're a man listening, share with some of your favorite women, how they can really um, own their leadership, own their brand. We're going to be talking about branding and as I mentioned, generational wealth. So get ready, get ready. I'm so excited. And um, again, tag, share, like, and make sure that everyone knows that um, we have some dynamic women that will be on the show today. And, and, and also, I'll tell you where Dr. Pam is, so you don't want to miss that. All right. All right. Welcome back to the show. Um, we are going to go ahead and dig into some trending topics. And as I mentioned, um, Dr. Pam is not with us today, but she is part of one of our trending topics today. So today, um, Astro, this, this is about NASA, right? So this is interesting. Astronauts launching on NASA SpaceX Crew-1 mission arrive at Kennedy Space Center. So that is where Dr. Pam is today. One of her good friends is an astronaut. Yay, look at her. And she is experiencing Victor uh, Victor Glover, yes. Um, Shannon Walker, Victor Glover, Mike Hopkins, and Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency astronaut Soichi Noguchi. Yes, are seen, they're seen here. Um, they are preparing uh, NASA SpaceX, their SpaceX crew, one mission. And it is the first operational mission of the SpaceX Crew Dragon spacecraft and Falcon 9 rocket to the International Space Station. And they are scheduled to launch, let's see, I think tomorrow, but Dr. Pam is up there with her friend and she's able to witness and watch all of this. So that's so amazing. Um, even as we talk about women in leadership, even though Victor Glover is her friend, it's so awesome to see two, I believe two women part of this, um, this launch. So um, congratulations, Dr. Pam, if you're able to watch today, um, again, able to witness history and make this one of our trending topics today. So speaking of women in leadership, a few trending topics today. Um, one of them is um, a new study by Golden, Goldman Sachs found that companies with more women in management and board positions outperformed their more male-led counterparts. Interesting, right? Um, so that is very interesting. And then, um, we, you know, as we look at why that happens, we, you know, we can speculate, but just to see that women are leading and companies are outperforming with women that are in management positions and board positions. So that is a new study from Gold, Goldman Sachs. Um, a next 
um, trending topic, and I love this story about Howard University. So they received a $1 million gift from Heather and Jim Murin to launch the Center for Women, Gender, and Global Leadership. And that just happened, I believe today or, or, or late yesterday. So um, they are, uh, Heather and Jim Murin, um, the, they received the gift, or Howard University President Wayne Frederick, he recently announced that the $1 million gift from Heather and Jim, again, is to launch this center. And the gift actually kicks off a multi-million dollar fundraising effort for what will be an interdisciplinary, student-centered, faculty-led institute that works with professional programs in health, business, communications, and law, as well as majors in art and science. So this um, center, as I was reading the article, they're going to focus on four areas and student-centered teaching and learning, high-impact faculty research, publications, and grant making, community-centered service learning, and global advocacy. So that is also just exciting to see and, and it's happening at Howard University where we know our new VP is actually an alum from Howard University. So great to see them making efforts toward uh, diversity and inclusion and equity at Howard University. Now, another trending topic, which wasn't as great, but, you know, it's interesting to get this information so that we can know what's going on out there and, you know, have conversations like this with women leaders. But there was a study by, I cannot, I'm not good at pronouncing this name, but there's a study, I'm, we're going to share it, Kajabic Index. So they rank um, 23 sectors such as healthcare, media, entertainment, banking, and tech. And so they rank all these um, sectors and they did a survey and they asked 2,000 working age adults for each of the following sectors. So they have all these sectors or industries. Do you think men or women are better suited to leadership positions? And respondents could either choose men, women, or both. So surprisingly or not so surprisingly, women scored high, like a score of 80 and above in entertainment, natural sciences, which is good. Um, but they fell behind in areas such as aerospace and engineering, the health sector, and um, some of and, and banking, right? So that is some. There are some areas where we probably need to do some more work on showing that we are in leadership, that we can do that. So we can talk about that in you know a, a little bit. So this is again perfect timing for our discussion today because we have women in banking and finance and all these areas and we're going to talk to them and how they got to leadership so again as we are about to go to a break uh, you have time if you didn't before to get your paper and pen um so we're going to come back and talk to two of those leaders in just a few minutes and again talk about 
that generational wealth, how they did it. We're going to talk about mindset strategies for leadership in women, especially when you're in male dominated fields. So it's it's going to be an awesome show. So um, you want to make sure to stay tuned. Um, And actually, um, I'll read the bio and you'll learn more about this person and um, our next guest in just a few minutes. But if you have any questions, make sure you visit the Live Exchange Facebook page and you can find out a little bit more about our guests and everything that's happening. And we'll have some follow up notes from all of this today. So stay tuned and also make sure you guys give uh, Dr. Pam a shout out as she is at NASA about to watch history in the making with her friends and the other astronauts and definitely want to wish them well. So um, stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited. We are about to dig in and talk to one of our guests today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read her bio and get ready to um, meet her and talk more about our special guest. And I actually did not get a chance to make sure I'm pronouncing her name correctly. So we're going to get that taken care of as soon as she comes on. But I believe I'm going to try Falase Ayebusi. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how good I am. But she is an enrolled agent, accountant, speaker, and small business growth strategist. She has helped entrepreneurs and small business owners save over $25 million in lost revenue, tax assessments, penalties, and interest. Holding a bachelor's degree in business administration and accounting and the University of District of Columbia and a master's of science degree in accounting and finance management from the University of Maryland. She grew up in D.C. in an impoverished area. So this is story makes it even more interesting and just how she grew into making generational wealth such a priority for her. So we're going to hear more about that. So today she owns and operates Suncrest Financials. And Suncrest offers small businesses, financial services, payroll, insurance. We're going to hear all about what Suncrest does. And she is equipping businesses with the expertise they need to save money and expand guaranteed. She is launching a new initiative, which sounds so fabulous. Can't wait to hear about this. She knows her money. And this is to encourage women to know their numbers to become financially secure and to create generational wealth. So we're going to share her social media handles and get to know her even better. So do we have um, our guest, the accountability accountant here? There she is. Welcome. Welcome. I'm great. Hi, how, how are you are doing? You? Good. Pretty good. So I, from the beginning, because I respect people's names. I want to make sure I have your name pronounced correctly. So can you pronounce that for us? Yes. Falashade. Falashade. Okay. Falashade. Yep. Ayibusi. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us um, or visiting with us today on the live exchange. And 
I love everything about your bio. I, I want to, of course, dig right into she knows her money, but we're going to lead up to that <laughs> in a little bit because she knows her money is such a just based on a little bit that I've read is such a needed and necessary topic today. And and many women need help in that area. But before we get there, let's just talk about um, kind of a little bit of your journey. And I, I was reading your bio even more than what I just read on air and listening to your background growing up in DC. So share with us a little bit about growing up in kind of this impoverished area and what gave you the desire to get like some amazing education and then to move into making this kind of your life mission about finances? Mm. Okay, so um, I started out um, in in Northeast DC um, in the 90s. You know, things were very tough. Everybody were getting exposed to everything when the parents wasn't in the households. It was a challenging time. So I grew up in DC and throughout the time I noticed, I didn't really know we were poor, honestly, because it was the norm. Everybody was in the same financial state. The only thing I knew is that we couldn't get the Jordans and we couldn't get certain things. Oh, but outside of that, it just really didn't hit me until I started to work with my father, which is, he's also an accountant here in the DMV area as well. Um, so I started to work with him over the summers and I noticed a significant difference in my community. When it comes down to tax season, you know, we're excited about taxes. Everybody's getting refund. I'm just hearing everybody get large lump sums of money. Um, me and my mom even trekked and walked to the nearest H&R block, rain, snow, or sleep, whatever situation, <laughs> we will be there, right? Right. So I go into his area, which was um, PG County, Maryland, but, you know, doing well, um, middle class, and the, the conversations were different. Um, they were owing and the excitement wasn't there. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why am I, you know, what are we doing here? Like, are we filing taxes? Why are they not getting refunds? Or if they are getting refunds, it's not as much as, you know, my neighborhood. I'm hearing 10,000, 8,000, 3,000. Um, refund, $3,000 refunds. But when I was working with my dad, that wasn't the case. We had to really strategically help them get a higher refund with tax planning and, you know, helping them maximize their tax deductions. So it dawned on me when I went back and it took me a few months to really connect the dots was that the majority of the people in my community income was at a certain income level. It was capped. It was no more than about $50,000 of income, whereas vice versa, some people making $80,000, $100,000 income. So the conversations were different. At that point, I really started to pay attention to the differences in my lifestyle and my, and my um, siblings' lifestyles. Right. So I was living in, you know, apartment, Section 8 apartment, uh, drug-infested, killings-everyday community, and they were going to private school, right? And mm -hmm. so I said, you know, what is the difference? How could I ever make any impact? And my dad said, Shadi, accountants rule the world. I'm like, what wow. do you mean? And I was like, you know, kind of bogus. He said, accountants rule the world. And I was like, okay, what you mean? He was like, well, Almost every top CFO or CEO has some form of bachelor's or some type of CPA or some type of CFO, some, some type of accounting knowledge. And then he also said that the government 
also look to accountants to connect with the economists to make decisions and just so forth. To beat the IRS, you need to become an accountant. And at that point, I was hooked. I said, you know, what? I'm trying to help the people. I'm trying to rule the world and help the people. So that's where that came from. And at that point, I started making my life business to learn the accounting and tax industry. Okay. All right. So that is... I want to pick up with that in just a second, because that was a powerful statement, right? Accountants rule the world, no matter how you slice it and dice it. First of all, the fact that you had that type of relationship and admiration for your father to even listen to him, but just that was some powerful advice. So we're going to pick up with that um, and go into how you just went forward with that and got your education and again, creating all these businesses and things. So this is awesome. I'm so inspired already, so I can't wait to continue the conversation. So be sure to leave your comments and questions below so we can make sure we capture those. So we'll be right back. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you um, for joining us and coming back. We are talking to, oh gosh, let me make sure I have her name right. Bolshade, maybe? Did I get it right? Maybe a little bit? Good enough. You were close. You got it. <laughs> okay. Um, we are listening to her story about um, her growth and her journey into um, growing her empire and her focus on generational wealth. And today we're talking about women in leadership all around. And just want to um, uh, talk about a few statistics just about leadership as we continue to talk to our guests today. So globally, women hold just 24% of senior leadership positions. So the U.S. lags behind the global average of 21% compared to China, where women hold 51% of senior leadership slots. Growth in women-owned businesses has outpaced the overall increase in new businesses by 1.5. And it has been reported that women control 70% of household spending or 12 trillion in developed countries around the world. So women, we have some buying power, right? And in the U.S., women represent 47% of the workforce. And in 40% of families, women are the primary or sole breadwinner. So we have a lot of power. And um, speaking of power, uh, we're going to go ahead and pick up with um, your amazing story and the amazing advice that your dad gave gave you. I was going to say gave us because I was just like (laughs) all in it like I was there. Um, So... He, you know, you you kind of made a decision after that and you knew the direction that you wanted to go, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So because I I'm one of those people that I'm not numbers is not my strength. And I, I we're going to talk about mindset. And I think I've it's been ingrained in me that I'm just not good at numbers. So if you had to tell me what will Lee, you know, you're going to go into majoring in accounting, I, I just would have said that's not possible. So how did you? Did you just say, just were you already good with numbers in the first place? And if not, how did you just make yourself push forward and make this your thing? You know what? Honestly, I've always been pretty good with numbers. Like I can okay. analyze anything right away. Give me like a few seconds. I can analyze it. So I've always been great with numbers. Um, but accounting is much more involved than just the numbers. It comes with analyzing the mm. data. 
So the numbers are there. Your bookkeeper, your bookkeeper or your bookkeeping uh, produces the numbers. And your accountant is the one that then analyzes it and then interprets it for you so you can utilize it. So it's more than us just loving the one plus one, two plus two. You have to love one uh, money, um, the function of money. And then also you have to be willing to analyze the connections between every number on a business financial statement. So if we make less money, what is the impact on this? And that's where the accounting comes into play is the analytical aspect of it. And that's fun. And I love it. Yeah. When you put it like that, I'm like, that sounds really interesting because it's almost like you're creating a story of with the numbers. You're creating you a story. Are. Lee, you actually are. I always say this. Um, your accounting tells you your business money story. Okay. Mm. So it tells you whether or not your business is doing well. It tells you whether or not you're overspending. It tells you whether or not you're on the brink of losing it all. Like your accounting tells you about the impact, both positive and negative impact on the decision making that you are um, implementing in your business as well. Phew. That was a lot. <laughs> that I'm thinking about my own accounting practices. So I'm like, that is a lot. That makes you as a business owner, no matter how small or large your business, to make sure you have some type of accounting um, as part of your strategy for your business. Wouldn't yes. you agree? Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your actual company, um, Suncrest Financial. So you graduated, um, you knew you loved this. Did you, so did you work in corporate and or do some things before? Some, you went straight to- I, No, look, I thought, I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. So I skated my way through, well, I, I can't say I skated my way. I was taking care of my mom when I was an undergrad. So while everybody else had the normal life, free for all, can- parents taking care of them. No, I was taking care of my mom. So I basically did the bare minimum, like a B and C student just to get my degree. And because I knew I was going to actually partner with my dad or just go completely out on my own. So I, I knew I was, I didn't have to be an A student or have a 4.0 to go work for one of the big four companies. That was never uh, my initiative or focus to do that. So I knew I was always going to be self-employed. So at that point, I knew what standards I had to hit to get the degree. Yeah. Um, and I was taking care of my mom and the guardian of my family and stuff, you know, I have to juggle responsibilities. So at that point, I just went completely in. I worked with my dad for years and years. And then I ended up trying to have my little family and said, hey, dad, OK, you know what? I'm, I'm graduating from school. I'm adding this services, this degree, this certificate to the business. I would like to be really a biz part of a partner. So I went to him with my little partnership agreement, Lee, been trying to be professional, right? He said, uh-uh, in his Nigerian voice, Shadi, I built this company. You will not come and <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to take it over. I'm going to be your retirement. Yes, you're going to be out of commission in 10, 15 years. Let me come in. We do 40-40. 40-40 uh, split, the company retained 20. Let me build up my savings so I can be your retirement. He declined the offer. So I was, oh I was pregnant. I was just married. I was forced to start my own business, basically. Wow. So why, what was his reasoning? I mean, I, he sounds like a man of wisdom. So I know there had to be a good reason. Nigerian fathers, they built it. You got to come start your own. Like You can't feed off me. You know, like you yeah. can't. Yeah. 
you know, so that's kind of like the norm with them is they go, start your own. Show me your great first. Then I'll let you have a piece of the pie. But now he like, oh, that is <laughs> right, right. You know, consider that option. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got started. I was forced to be out on my own. So let's talk about that. Let's pick up the generational wealth conversation from that. So would you say that that is how it starts? Um, like the generation before kind of pushing the next generation to, first of all, let's talk about entrepreneurship. So would you say entrepreneurship is definitely one of the keys to generational wealth? Yes, or not necessarily entrepreneurship, but getting into an entrepreneurship driven business, a business, and you're like second and third and fourth. So like the Facebook situation where you're not the number one, but you're the number fifth, number five or number six or the 10th person. And you can still become extremely rich um, okay. in scenarios as well. Yeah. Um, I I was listening to actually um, I forget the the title of his book, but 50 cents latest, one of his latest books um, about business. And one of the things that he talked about is if there's ever an opportunity to get equity instead of getting just a promotion or whatever, get the equity mm-hmm. and own what you can wherever you are. And so, but okay. So going back to generational wealth, so that's good advice. Um, what are some other keys would you advise people if they're um, in that position where they're thinking about their legacy, they have children coming up? How can we take the first step in thinking about how to create generational wealth in our families? Mm, so the first hard questions that we first have to ask ourselves is how much wealth do we want to transfer? What do we want to pass down and how much? What is that? What will leave us happy and satisfied. Okay. So we have to first set out our goals. Do we want to leave our children with a, with a Lisa house or a hundred thousand dollars life insurance policy? And that's okay. And that, if that's okay with you, then that's fine. That's the standard that you should live by. But if you want to leave your children millions of dollars and you want it to go from generation to generation, right? Then that means it needs to be millions. So wow. first, set the initial goal and the idea of how many generations do we want this money to transfer to? Because a hundred thousand is only going to transfer really to honestly one generation, yes. and it may not even pass over. So you need at least million. So that we have to first understand what we what what do we want to do? What do we want to achieve? Okay. All right. So this is so much, <laughs> so many, so much good. So we're we we got to um, pause for a break. Another break. But when we pick back up, I want to talk about mindset because we know that we try to underestimate it sometimes. But when it comes to finances, if the mindset, even if we're talking about generational wealth, is not right, it's hard to even get to the goals that you just talked about. So um, we're going to talk about mindset when we come back. And I, I again, please share, like, um, this is such a, an important topic that we You know, we talk about Black Lives Matter and all these other things. These type of things matter. And we need to be talking about this more. So we'll be right back with this. Grab your paper and pen and join us. All right. Welcome back. Um, We are here with the accountability accountant. And um, before we get started talking about mindset and transitioning, can you, I'm not sure if it's being shown 
on the screen, but I want to make sure that people have your social media handles and know where they can follow you. So if you can tell us a little bit about how we can reach out to you. Oh, yes. Um, so you all can go to everything social media for not today, spelled F-O-L-A-S-A-D-E, The Accountant. But last day, accounting or all social media. Great. Thank you. Thank you. So you um, are sharing some really powerful things today. Um, let's talk about the mindset piece. So when you talked about goals and thinking about how to create that generational wealth and that wealth transfer and just knowing how much you, you know, how many generations you want to impact, how much you're going to need to do this impact. You know, sometimes the struggle with wealth is what you're not around. You don't you don't know what to reach for yeah. um, because you haven't had exposure. Um, so how do how do you shift a mindset? Um, let's say this is a single mom, years and years of maybe poverty and just you know issues, and but she knows she wants a change. How do we get into that mindset? Mm. So first of all, we have to identify, and this is where that self-accountability comes into place. We have to identify what our past have hindered us and what has it impacted. And we need to correct those so they would adjust the mindset. So for example, the single mom that have struggled forever. So because she's on survival mode, right? When she finally gets the financial freedom, she still is operating in survival mode. Wow. So happens. She doesn't adjust her lifestyle. She doesn't, you know, incorporate her self-care time because she's still on survival mode. Um, so one thing we have to understand is that before we can really move forward and be financially free, we have to fight the demons that was hunting us at one point in time. And those for me was looking in a mailbox. Okay. Cause I, when I was building my business, I, I couldn't afford to pay my bills every month on time. You know, those were the sacrifices that I had to make. Um, so those fears of not being financially in control, it hunts you for years and years, even wow. after you become financially stable. So to prevent that, right, you want to just write them down, start journaling on the pain that it caused you and what was the actual situations. Was right. it because your bank account overdraft every month consistently after your pay period, after you paid all of your bills and you had to scrounge around and borrow money? Was it because of this? And then once we identify those problems, then we can see, once we figure out what happened, we can identify the initial problem. Okay, so are we now receiving our paycheck? But before we receive our paycheck, we're not putting a budget in place to identify where the money needs to go. Yes. Or are we receiving our paychecks, right? And just having electronic funds on... Um, EFTs, which I don't agree for everything um, coming out. It doesn't give you control over what needs to be paid and what's level of responsibility um, that each payment um, should be um, paid in. So um, we just have to find first, we have to acknowledge the problems and then figure out what the solutions are. And it's also playing mind games on yourself. You have to start talking like you're rich and talking like you're wealthy. You have wow. to you know, affirm these things. You don't wake up and say, oh, I'm broke. No, you wake up and say, I'm rich and I'm rich in X, Y, Z. And most of the time when we look at it, if we don't have that mindset, then we're telling the universe that we want to be poor, that we want to be broke and we're comfortable with that. Yes. But if we 
affirming that we're rich, we're going to start playing mind games on not only ourselves, but also the universe. And you'll start to see that we will be aligning and manifesting or adjusting our lifestyle slowly to meet the desired goal. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. Like I'm writing notes right now. I'm trying to listen and interview. But at the same time, I'm like taking notes, getting out of survival mode and just looking at our habits and our history and thinking about how we're operating like that. And also just that our self-talk, our speech, what are we saying? Like subconsciously, we're saying that we don't even realize that we're just reinforcing a poverty mindset. Before we go too far, because I know we're going to have to switch segments in a while, in a minute, I want to know more about She Knows Her Money. And it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is probably feeds right into that. But tell us a little bit more about that and how we would want to get involved in that. Yes. So I created She Knows Her Money to be able to provide that safe space for women um, and women entrepreneurs, mommypreneurs whatever the case. And the reason why I created She Knows Her Money is because we are the breadwinners now. We are dominating. Kudos yeah. to us. But there's that also comes with a lot of problems, especially in our marriages, yep. uh, with our, our clients, our teens, um, our relationships. We, you know, we become a bit more dominant or we don't, we don't, like, we just don't know how to juggle it all. Right. And so, knows her money uh, gives us that freedom to say, okay, you know, I don't know it all. I need help, ladies. But guess what? In addition to that, you're going to learn about financial literacy. You're going to learn about investing. You're going to learn on how a mom can still be free and take care of herself, be self-care, and then also still save up and build a savings account and savings fund for the children. You're going to learn tax strategies on, you know, how to employ your children and things like that. So she knows her money gives us that safe space to really talk about those things that we don't really want others to hear or feel uncomfortable even talking. So for example, uh, a woman that makes two, three hundred thousand dollars she's not talking to her girlfriends about the problems she's having with her husband because he makes fifty thousand dollars yeah you see yeah she can't do that she has to keep cool but in our community she's comfortable because that's the norm and we teach each other how to handle those situations and how to handle your husband and your families with grace so is that a is that a Facebook group? Where's the community held? Yeah, the community one, it's we have our own membership platform and everything else, but the community itself, the group, the communication, the love goes on on the Facebook group. Okay, I love it. That is I mean, that is so powerful because that is an example of like saving marriages and again helping with generational wealth. It is like truly making an impact on on our, our, our women and, and in leadership. So I um, want to talk um, a little bit about um, influence and how you've been able to maintain um, your brand, your influence with women. Um, I would imagine putting out a lot of content, showing your value all the time. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, you know, I started um, online around the end of 2014. 14, I was one of the first accountants that were ever live streaming on like Blab and Periscope and everywhere else. So I was able to build the influence. And what I did was I made accounting relatable. I took all of that jargon yeah. and I really connected the dots to really show business owners that everything that you do in your lifestyle, even your marriage, your whole situation, it shows the impacts on your business financial statements. Yeah. So 
that point, I started to really show that, okay, you know, we as women, we have to be whole. We as women, we have to be balanced. We as women, we have to do things. You know, even as moms, we have to be willing to sacrifice some few things. And so I started connecting dots between our lifestyles and our business. And then at that point, it just started to connect. And I'm very relatable and down to earth. So, yeah, that's awesome. So I, um, I love that making it relatable and and even going back to what you first talked about, how accounting is really about telling a story, like looking at your numbers and telling a deeper story. So um, when we come back, I am going to do some rapid fire questions. Some of them have nothing to do with accounting, but just learning a little bit more about you um, before we let you go. Um, I'm so, I can't wait to be done with the show today so I can go and join your group and learn more about it. It's, it sounds like an awesome platform. So thank you so much, but we'll be back with some rapid fire questions. So you guys stay tuned. You want to hear and learn more about her and how to stay in contact with her as well. All right. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, we are here with, again, the accountability accountant. I want, I'm the last, the last Sadie. I'm going to get this right. I'm going to call you. We're going to talk anyway. Right, you're in the DMV, right? Yes, I am. Okay, got it. So I'm in Atlanta, but, you know, our worlds will collide. I promise you that. So we're going to get this together. Um, so I want to do a quick, um, rapid fire, some rapid fire questions for you and just get to know you better. And we may learn a few things even with these questions. So we're just going to relax and talk about it for a few minutes. So first question, what is your favorite book? Mm. Okay. So this is, it's a, um, Odd book. It's a book written by Tiana's Empire. She's a Nigerian woman that manages about 15 businesses called The, the Secrets to a Guy. But it's, her book is absolutely amazing because from a mommy perspective and a woman perspective, is she talks about what she endured in business and the mindset that she had to have to, have to be dominating. And so that was one of the most... Um, eye-opening books because most of the books we read as women is from men yeah. and they're not moms so the lifestyles are different the the, yeah. the the dedication is different like our dedication is first to our children i don't care about a bit a real mom it's gonna put the children first regardless right and so that book by um tiana's empire i even have it on my phone hold on if you got <laughs> But that book is amazing. It will change most women's lives because it let us know that we're not limited to just one business or two business or three business or having a husband and a child. We can do it all. Okay. And that's what that book did. It, it let me know, you know, I can do it all. Okay. I'm ready to get that one. Okay. Love I'm it. Help, but I can do it all. So. Got it. Okay. Favorite self-care habit. 
Okay, so my favorite self-care habit has been like my Sunday nights. I either do, I don't have my massage. So I do a massage once a month now. So they'll come to the house, do the COVID changes. So that's one, my massages. Um, but I just love just lighting candles around the house and doing my facial steamer and just watching them, my one of my action movies and kicking back. Okay, great, great, great. Uh, what is your favorite splurge? Designer food. Goods. Uh, what is it? designer goods like bags and purses okay. and stuff? Okay. Like I used to be a label to the sacrifice I had to make to build my business. I used to adore Gucci, Chanel, Poochie, everything. Like maybe right. yeah, I lived it, but I had to sacrifice. So now my little spur just maybe I'll get a little bag once a year or do something like that. So that's like okay. my um favorite quote or scripture. Well, um, Ben Franklin, nothing in life is guaranteed but death and taxes. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> um, and who is your mentor? Ah, well, I have several mentors. So I love and obsessed uh, with um, Andy Frisella and Anne Marlette. They're my mentors now. I'm in the Arte um, um, organization, in the Arte community. Um, Ryan Serhant, I love him as well. Uh, I have a collective for all of the different parts of me. Um, so I like Wesley Virgin as well for like the calmness, the meditation, and the, yeah. the, the mentally free. So I have a collective of different. And then Kevin Goggins, um, David Goggins, sorry, for that that tough, no, um, um, no BS, unwavering alpha alpha female mentality. So okay. it's collective of uh, men and women, but more uh, women, um, Bethany Frankel. I love her. I love her too. Yeah. Yeah. She's an empire. Yep. Yes. Well, this has been amazing. Um, I have just enjoyed every minute of this. And um, oh, one more thing. What did, I kind of could guess this, but what's your favorite social media platform? Well, I did love Facebook, but you guys are like dry over Facebook now. I love Instagram now. I did love Facebook, but I love Instagram now. It's yeah. fun. It's engaging. I think people put out more than what they do on Facebook. And it's not dry. And it, Instagram allows you to dream. Yes. Yes. But you have to know the difference between dreaming and your reality. But <laughs> Facebook is just like reality. Oh, you know, <laughs> Rest. But I will say Instagram because I'm a hopeful and an optimist. So Instagram. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. We're going to head out now. And but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys make sure you follow her, check in with her. And I'm definitely going to check in with you. And then we're going to come back for our next segment with an, another a powerful. I think we have two guests in our next segment. And we're going to continue the conversation to talk about women in leadership. So stay tuned for that. All right, we are back. We are back for the um, second segment of the live exchange. And if you are just now tuning in um, and for the second segment, uh, we know that Dr. Pam, well, you may not know, Dr. Pam is making history um, at Nassau right now, watching one of her friends. Yes, yes, there she is. Um, they are preparing for a launch and she is there with Victor Glover and three other astronauts and um, they are about to make, I'm sorry, before I said there were two women, there's one woman astronaut with that group. So 
um, as we're talking about women in leadership, it's still great to see that one woman. And um, we're really excited for her. So make sure you congratulate her on trending topics and making news today and, and been able to watch it. So now we're going to go into, again, the second segment talking about women in leadership. And we have two guests today um, on this, this segment. And if you missed the first segment, please go back and rewatch it. It was amazing uh, talking about generational wealth. But moving forward, we're going to talk to two others, um, Kimberly Lee Minor and um, Barbara, I believe, Ruiz. I have her bio here, and we're going to dive into, um, into that in just a second. And I'm going to go ahead and do we have our guests on at this moment? Um, okay, great, great, great. I, it's Sometimes I can't see the faces here, so I just want to make sure that we have everybody here. And as we mentioned, there are some interesting statistics that I, I talked about a little bit earlier. And, um, and it's going to apply definitely again to the second segment. Just again, reiterating the power that women have with money, how we spend, how we buy, and how as women, we just can't underestimate that power. So you have power, if you're a woman listening, you have power to change things, to make a difference. And so we're gonna talk to um, Kimberly Lee Minor. I'm gonna read a little bit of her bio and then we're gonna bring her in. She is an award-winning executive with an impeccable record of building brands. You know, I love that. Finding the uncut diamonds and creating product based stories. She is a customer focused brand advocate and marketer with expertise in building seamless, cross functional, lifestyle product processes, digital to brick and mortar customer experiences, as well as recruitment, engagement, retention, and retention enhancements. So she um, is also an empowering mentor, a purpose centric. Um, business leader. She holds a Bachelor's of Arts from Temple, Temple University in Philadelphia and also um, has completed coursework towards her MBA at Drexel University, also in Philadelphia. She holds an Executive Certificate in Leadership, which we will be talking about today, um, from the Wharton School of University of Pennsylvania. And she is a certified Six, six, six Sigma Black Belt. She has our husband and um, two sons and live in New Albany, Ohio. So I have a lot in common with Kimberly Lee Minor. I'm also from Ohio and also in marketing and branding. So it is going to be great to speak with her today. And then we have Barbara Clark Ruiz. And um, she holds a design career. Um and it reads like a who's who of international household names, right? That includes Nike, Europe, Adidas, Fila, New Balance, Speedo, Hanes, Jockey. We're going to talk about all of that. Disney, Zogs Inter International. She is also the creative director for Walmart for six activewear divisions, which gross close to $750 million per season. Um, and hence what prompted Venus we know who Venus is, to seek her out to be a design director of her line 11 by Venus. Now with her design skills being seen globally by Venus, wearing one of Barbara's designs when winning the 2016 doubles championship. So she is definitely a powerhouse. Can't wait to hear more about that. 
Um, and then she's pivoting into another area um, with the dog. Uh, this is going to be interesting because we're going to talk about the pivot. If we didn't learn anything else this year, we, we should have learned how to pivot. But talking about, about Lick You Silly, Lick, Lick You Silly, I got to get the name right on that. But it is a boutique dog lifestyle brand um, made in the USA, which features a line of premium dog treats. Um, so we're going to talk about that and, and, and what her love is and how she pivoted to that. So this is going to be a really exciting conversation with both of them. So again, make sure you have your pen and paper and you're comfortable and you can take notes and just learn how we can be women in leadership and do our best and get ready for 2021. So we'll be right back. Right. Uh-oh. There we go. Welcome back to um, the live exchange. We are here with some amazing women in leadership today. And um, we're going to dive into some, some great topics um, to, again, help us all become amazing women and to grow in leadership and learn more about how we can make an impact in today's world. So welcome, um, Kimberly, and welcome, Barbara. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How are thank you? you? I can see everyone now. <laughs> That's always very helpful. You all look beautiful, beautiful. And First we of didn't all, ask, where, where are like you? Like right? We didn't plan this. And <laughs> right. <laughs> um, where are you? I know, um, I believe, Kimberly, you're in Ohio, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then Barbara, wh where are you? I'm in New Jersey. Okay. All right. Well, you guys, how's the weather up there? Gloomy. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful here. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. It's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, maybe 50 degrees and sunny. Okay. Well, oh, wow. it's gloomy yeah. in Atlanta today. So, <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and dive in. You guys have very impressive bios, and I'm so excited to just learn more about um, what you all are doing and how we can um, glean some information from you all to just grow, just mm -hmm. grow and lead. And we talked about in the beginning of the show that, you know, with everything that happened last week with our new elected VP and um, we just see women just making so many fabulous moves. But and, and, and that's an amazing thing. Um, but I do want to address as we dive into your topics how to stay there, how to be healthy in leadership, um, how to leverage it for the things that we need to do. So sometimes it's not just about getting to the leadership, but how do we how do we stay there? Um, so um, want to be sure to dive into that. So first, let's talk a little bit about what inspired your journeys um, to get into um, I, both of you kind of have some overlap into some branding, into definitely marketing, and definitely some collaboration. So let's talk, um, Kimberly. First, with you all, how did you know this, or maybe you didn't know? How did how did you get into your industry, into your field? Um, it, it wasn't something that I planned for. I um, I didn't go to school for it. I went to school for radio, television, and film. And okay. at radio station in Philadelphia and television station started doing um, the junior news when I was in, 
junior high school and thought that was my path. And then um, as I got closer to graduation, I was sending out videos and you know my tapes and I was getting offers in like South Dakota and crazy places that I <laughs> like, I, I just can't do this. And I, and I didn't, my, 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 at that point, I think I was immature, right? And so my drive to do anything it took to be in this career that I thought I wanted, I wasn't willing to do. And so um, the executive recruiter was on campus from Macy's for the executive training program. And for a person who didn't know what she wanted to do, like I was, I knew I was going to grad school, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, it was perfect for me to get into that program and to start to um, meet people and learn about the business of fashion and the business of retail and understand it's not, I had no idea. I thought, you know, if you're in retail, you stand on your feet all day, right? right. I didn't know about the designers and private label and all those things, the brands. Um, and so that's where my um, career started and my curiosity about how do we tell stories through product? Yes. It really began. And um, that foundation has carried me throughout my career. Okay. All right. And then um, I will actually, because we have just a few seconds <laughs> left before we, we pivot. So I want to come back um, to Barbara and talk a little bit about how she came into her industry. And then I want to also talk about this, knowing your story. And, and I'm going to pick up with something that Kimberly just said, because you're telling stories of product, but how important it is to know our own story before we can kind of grow into our leadership and into what we want to do. So um, with all that being said, we are going to come back and dive into more of their stories and leadership and women in leadership and how we can grow and really make an impact in those areas. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. So now we are going to transition and learn a little bit more about Miss Barbara. Um, tell us a little bit about, like, I love your, well, okay, a couple of things. I love your journey. And then we got to get into the dog thing and talk, talk a little bit about how you ended up um, launching a new, sounds like a new brand and pivoting a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Okay. Good. Um, You're good. Okay, great. So <clears throat> my journey started um, when I was in college at Pratt. So, uh, you know, we were really, we were always taught that you wanted to go and work for some big designer when you graduated. And, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, then I got to compete with all these students. And so I decided doing my, uh, because of my senior show, I had the opportunity to get in front of a lot of industry people. I decided instead of designing the typical four outfits for your senior show, I designed 12. Oh. And I, I received a lot of awards and I got offered a job by Ralph Lauren and also by Adidas. And Ralph Lauren was offering like $19,000 a year. And I was like, wait, I'm a student. I'm already at the poverty level. I'm not trying to live like that. So right. um, so I ended up taking the position with um, with which actually is called Adidas. Um, I took the, addition, the position with Adidas and um, and there my career started in activewear and I fell in love. I'd started designing a lot of products for them that grossed a lot of uh, you know money. And um, probably a year and a half into that position, I was offered um, the opportunity to go and design in our international design office in Fontainebleau, France. And so oh, I moved wow. to France for about 18 months. And then from there, they decided to close the office and move it back to Hertzkenauer, Germany. And uh, I kind of had enough, you know, Europe was great. 
living in the Fountain Blue Hotel was amazing, but I was ready to come home, right? Yeah. So, um, so at that point, uh, before leaving, you know, my boss said to me, you know, Barb, would you consider being a consultant? And I'm like, well, what is that? What is a consultant? I was so green. He was like, well, basically you get to design your product, but you get to do it from home. And I'm like, and get paid the same? He was like, yeah. And I'm like, then why isn't everybody in a, a, a consultant? Like I'm just waiting for the, you know, the, for, for the lie to show, right? Right. And it never did. And I ended up consulting with Germany for about eight years in total. And then from there, a lot of relationships that have formed for me when I had uh, worked in Fontainebleau, those people went on to work for companies like Nike and New Balance and Asics, and they called me up to do work for them. So I forced these relationships. So that was uh, that was how I built my design business for 20 years. Okay. And um, and then I pivoted uh, actually while I was working with Venus, because, you know, when you're you're breathing the air of a superstar, there's a lot right. of stuff you can learn. And, um, you know, we had quite a number of conversations just kind of sitting on her couch, just talking about life, you know, and. Um, um, and I, you know, I, I love design, <clears throat> but I always felt like, you know, there was something bigger for me yeah. and I have a love for dogs. And I used to bake dog treats for my dogs. And I'm like, I can't sustain this. And I said to myself, I'm going to start a dog treat company one day. And I was talking to Venus and, you know, she was like, Barb, you should just start your dog treat company. What are you waiting for? And I was like, seriously? So I just started to put the wheels in motion and, you know, put on my marketing cap and, you know, what I had done for other brands and just came up with this concept and the product I wanted to sell. And I just wanted it to be easy for people to understand. But more importantly, I wanted to build a brand, a lifestyle brand that was built on love and compassion because there's just not enough of it. And so right. I try to filter that throughout my brand. And um and so uh, just recently, after three and a half years, you know, I got a, a post uh, from a website that I subscribed to that said, you know, Walmart is doing open call. And I thought, let me submit. And I right. did. And um, I, honestly, I, I didn't expect to get picked because, you know, my company is three and a half years old. And, you know, when I worked at Walmart, there were, oh. there were people who were, that's my product. There were people. Yeah, who, that's so cute. There are people who have been like seven years trying to get in Walmart. Right. And so for me, three and a half years just seemed a little crazy. Uh, right. So when I got picked and I, you know, I had my meeting with the buyer and she's like, yeah, we want your product. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. That is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Beautiful stories. Beautiful stories. So we're going to dive into because time is moving so quickly and there's so much I want to ask you all. Mm -hmm. um, so a couple of the things I want to talk about is the. Um, importance of knowing who you are and being comfortable with who you are um, as you're growing into leadership. I hear a little bit of it in each of your stories, even with Kimberly, you knowing I'm not going to South Dakota, <laughs> you know, like I'm not just going to do anything for the money. Um, you knew you had some sense of who you are and, and how important that is. And maybe at least one takeaway for a woman who may be struggling to really know who she is as she's growing in her leadership. And Kimberly, you can start and then we'll go over That's to Barbara. So I think that as you, as you start on your journey, you're at different parts of knowing yourself, right? There, there are different aspects of knowing yourself. And your first person that you need to learn to lead is you. And spend time not reflecting so much on what people think of you, but when you look in the mirror, how do you how do you feel about yourself? 
because I have run into people over the years who have leadership roles, but still aren't very comfortable with themselves. And that shows up in being insecure or trying to undermine other people so that you can be the, the leader. Um, you have to be sure of yourself in order to lead because people are going to follow you. Yeah. And you, you, you need to know your own path so that you don't lose the vision, right? That is what a real leader does. There's a big difference between a leader and a manager. Yes. A leader is someone who not only knows their purpose, but has created a path of purpose for the people who are on their team or the people that they are moving forward. And they are always looking for opportunities to move people forward. They don't always have to be in the front to lead. And in order to be confident in doing that and putting other people out there, you have to know yourself and you have to be comfortable with where you are and who you are. And, and that's really difficult. You know, um, sometimes we get in tough sp spots, you know, you're in, a, you're working for someone and you're not really sure of where you stand. Um, and it can get, it can shake you sometimes, yeah. especially as women of color. If we are in corporate settings, most likely we are either the first or we are the only. And yes. to be in those settings, they're set up that oftentimes you're not really set up to, to be successful. And, but most of us, when we get there, we are ready to go. Yes. And so we get extra put on our plate, but you can't, if you are unsure of yourself, there's no way you can manage that, um, that responsibility and help other people achieve their goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love that, that just um, as we're about to transition to another break, just for those listening, really thinking about, are you a leader or are you, or are you a manager? And, um, you know, being a leader is, is about bringing those people along and having, I love that, having that vision for the other people and knowing what their purpose is and um, being willing. I mean, obviously that's, that requires some sacrifice and, um, stepping back sometimes to really put the people first. Um, so we're going to, um, when we come back, we're going to talk to Barbara with the same question um, about, you know, the path to leadership and how important it is to know yourself and, and just a, a tip that you can give to women in that are struggling. I talk to a lot of women in that 40, 50 range and they're transitioning and not quite sure who they are moving forward. So we want to hear some tips on that. So come back soon. So um, or stay right where you are so you can hear more from our leaders today. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Yes. Go have like a whole list of questions. So, how do we know ourselves better, and how important is it when we're working in moving into leadership? And and let's talk to also that woman who maybe have been been in corporate or doing some work for 10, 15 years, and she realizes this is not really who I am. What do I do? So I I believe um, I do a lot of work on myself, right? I'm constantly. Um, you know, reading like self-help books, you know, how to be a better person. And, you know, and I find that, you know, in leadership, I think that, you know, um, we should surround ourselves 
with people who are smarter than us, but, and understand that the purpose of that is so that they have something that you can learn. I think, you know, um, Venus did that really well. And I, you know, I said to her one day, I'm like, V, how do you do all the stuff that you do? And she's like, Barbara, I just surround myself by really smart people. And I'm like, that really resonated with me because, you know, it's not about, you know, um, being jealous of someone else, but it's about how they perhaps might have a skill set that you might be able to learn from. And so, you know, I think a leader, you know, really offers opportunities to people. You know, they are they have integrity, you know, they have honesty and all of that really matters. Um, so I think for someone right now who's just trying to figure out what that next is. And I think, you know, because of the pandemic, I think a lot of people, you know, are really um, looking at their life and really, you know, trying to figure out if this if what I'm doing now is what I'm in love with. And quite honestly, when you do anything for 20 years, you're going to get sick and tired of it. I mean, that's right. just the way it is. So, you know, I, I like to, I like to write, you know, I like to write notes to myself. I like to put my goals down on paper because it gives me clarity around those goals. And then, you know, I would say to, you know, join some awesome women group, women's groups that yeah. can connect you with um, women who might be interested in what you're doing or might help you to get clarity around what it is you're interested in. I mean, I always say first start with what you don't want to do yeah. and then you yeah. can kind of figure out what it is that you or either I'll ask myself, what is it that I would get up and do every single day and not get paid for it and just love it? You know, yeah. so, you know, I feel like I've been blessed because I've gotten up for the last 20 years and have been in love with the work that I do. So it doesn't really feel like work. But, you know, I would just say you just got to do you have to do the work on yourself and you have to ask yourself the hard questions. That's great. So, Kimberly, you um, tell us a little bit about this. Is it called Spiceteria Connection? Oh, yeah. Spiceteria, Spiceteria. So Spiceteria started in 2009 because it was a blog because I, um, I was at a point where I had just um, had to shut down a, a, a business um, that had been funded by private equity. I was, uh, I had a, another business. I had just um, finished the business I had to leave was, um, brand president for, um, there was just a lot going on and I was consulting and I had very young children and I started to write about what was happening for me right. as a woman and as a mom and, and, and an executive. And instead of talking about the emotions that I felt, I replaced those emotions with spices, right? With seasonings. Cause I wanted people to really kind of experience it with me. So if I was upset about something, I might talk about being hot, like about it and, and pepper and the origins of different types of pepper. And it, it kind of caught on and, and I did it sporadically until um, 2019. I left corporate America. I was meeting a bunch of women who, as you talked about earlier, and as Barbara has spoken about, were at their pivot They've been doing the same thing for 20 some years. And, and like me, we're at this point where, well, what's next? Like, what's the reboot? What do I do? Mm -hmm. You know, how does it look? And so I, as I, I said, wait, I need to bring Spice Terrier back. And I was in New York one day, um, hadn't moved to Ohio yet, I don't think. And, and I was on the escalator and this woman who I'd never seen before, she looks across and she says, you're Spice Terrier. 
And I was with a friend of mine and she said, yep, I think now, you know, you definitely need to bring Spice Terry back because you yeah. And so I created a community and it's a national community. We, we were on the Mighty Network. We had our own um, network, but we were doing live events um, and we would bring in, you know, anything that had to do with a woman in her 40s and 50s with the pivot or taking care of herself or having creating the, that cohort of camaraderie of other women. Because so many people have put their head down. So many women, you know, we, we're, t- we're raised that we can do it all. They just yes. can't tell us that we can do it all with help or we can do it all, but not at the same time. And so we run ourselves down thinking, oh, we shouldn't feel tired because we can do it all. And so you put your head down into your career or taking care of people. And then when you look up, you for, you don't even recognize yourself. And so that's what the community does. We do live programming. We have virtual events. And when COVID is, you know, when hopefully soon, but we're going to go back to having uh, live events. But we we have members from Atlanta to Boston to Los Angeles, Chicago, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio. We have members all over. We have about fifteen hundred members now, and we get together every week and right. we share. And, and and to Barbara's other point, you need a girlfriend group, right? Yes. You need the support of other women because you don't realize that you're not out there by yourself. You know, that's, that's what you do. My motto and the motto of my organizations are women support women, period. Yeah. Yeah. That leads to another question, because I I hear this a lot as well, um, just with the busyness of, you know, careers and children and relationships and um, just everything. We're just being bombarded. How do you because the common one of the common denominators between the both of you is the importance of surrounding yourself with good people um, and maintaining good relationships. How do you maintain good relationships in a world that is so busy and that honestly sometimes we feel like we're just drowning with content and the busyness and the goals? How do you maintain good relationships? So the the way that I uh, maintain relationships is, um, you know, I spend a lot of time on uh, Duo and I spend a lot of time on Zoom. And, you know, um, I, I mean, my office is my home and, and I'm either I'm either working or I'm cooking or I'm eating. And, you know, I tend to when I'm taking a, a lunch break or a break, I just pull somebody up on Zoom and say, hey, I'm taking a break. Thought I'd you know, connect, check in with you. You know, and I think it's just really important to check in with people, especially those people who are single. And, um, you know, they're not typically with the person, you know, every day. And I know that's got to be really lonesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I make a conscious effort. Of, I have a small circle of friends that I probably will touch base with them a few times a week. Okay, know? cool. Yeah. Kimberly? Um, pretty much the same. You know, I, uh, I've moved away from a lot of my friends, but then I have friends here too. And I, I get to see a lot of them uh, weekly when I do woman to woman because they join the, the, the Zoom um, programming. Okay. But I do make it an, a conscious effort to just do something, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's, it's a text or a phone call, um, just so to check in. Or, you know, if I hear something in your voice when we're doing a Zoom or on a call, I'll, you know, I send my friends flowers if I hear something just, just to let them know I hear you and I'm here for you. Right. 
Yeah. So relationships yeah, are definitely really important, important. important mm-hmm. in leadership and just maintaining um, the right mindset and growing. I want to talk a little bit about um, collaboration and from a professional standpoint, when is the right time to collaborate? What what do you look for when it's time to collaborate? I think I've heard in both of your and read in both of your bios that obviously there were you didn't just do this on your own. There were moments of um, making a decision to collaborate, to listen, to um, take help, to give help. How do you know when there may be an opportunity of a good collaboration and maybe not partnering or collaborating with someone? Well, um, so I, I, I collaborate a lot because like mm-hmm. Barbara, I have my own business now. And um, when I was working in corporate America, that was something that as a leader, I really pushed for the different organizations, different functions to collaborate because, you know, I, I think it's because I'm an only child. Like you just don't know what you don't know. And there's always an opportunity that when someone else has something that together you can have more. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, as I've been creating processes and working in corporate America, that collaboration of cross-functional collaboration has always been important. And then as someone who owns their own business, understanding what you have to offer and then understanding what you don't have to offer and who's doing it, like crashing it and and smashing it like you are and and reaching out to them and saying, hey, together we could go after this client or we could build this business. But it's about collaboration and the people who show up and they have the same energy that you do, you want to collaborate with. If if Looking for that energy. Right. It's all about the energy and they're being open to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just ask, right? Because sometimes when you're a small company, you don't feel like, you know, you might have enough uh, brand equity or brand awareness like under your belt in order to uh, collaborate with certain brands. And I just say ask because, you know, you just never know what they're going to say. And it's all about creating a win win. So if you yeah. can sort of, you know, hang on somebody's, you know, uh, skirt tail to elevate your brand, right? then that's definitely, you know, worth the ask. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're, we're going to come back and talk about more of the ask and um, having the confidence to do that. So come back and hear a little bit more about confidence. All right, welcome back, welcome back. We are here with Ms. Barbara Ruiz, Clark Ruiz, and Kimberly Lee Minor. And we're talking about women in leadership and what it takes to be a woman in leadership. Um, and surprisingly, we're not talking about all these um, academic type characteristics. Um, we're talking about, you know, those soft skills that, you know, looking at who's around you and and your your tribe and those those people that you're um, pulling information from. We're looking at confidence. We're looking at mindset. We're looking at all those things that help us to again be better leaders and make an impact. So as we were talking about collaboration, um, we were pivoting and transitioning into the importance of having confidence because you have to put yourself out there and not be fearful 
of no or rejection or anything like that. So Barbara, how do we how do we work on the confidence? Because no matter what the age, there are seasons when we we're hit with, you know, things that may take our confidence. How do we work on that? Conversations in my head, <laughs> like always. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I always say to myself, you might be scared, but you have to just keep moving. You have to push through the fear and you have to, you know, I, I really rely a lot on my faith. Um, I know God is so sick of me and in my <laughs> prayers, but, um, but, you know, I, um, I really, I will myself to be confident and really um, focus on the good, focus on the good that I can bring, focus on what I've, what I've accomplished and knowing that you, when you've accomplished something, you feel really good about it. Then that, that really aids in the confidence of how, of how you really feel about yourself. Right. And so, you know, I mean, I feel like we're always re have to remind ourselves, you know, to just push through the fear because especially when you're, when you're a consultant or you have your own business, there are scary times because yeah. you, what you kill. Right. Yeah. And so um, you have to, you have to have the confidence in order to, um, you know, convince these brands that you want to work with or collaborate with that you're capable of that. So, right. you know, I think, you know, you just, you just push through. I mean, I just feel like women of color, this is what we've always done, right? We've yeah. always worn so many hats and we've always, you know, been the everything to our families. And we realize, you know, that that requires a lot of inner strength. And I think the inner strength um, aids in that, in that confidence. Yeah. And I think my faith aids into giving me the inner strength that I need in order to feel confident, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, it kind of, uh, reminds me of what our first guest was saying in the first, um, half of the show, um, talking about generational wealth. And she talked about how important it is to watch our words and what we say, um, because yeah. it, just re and when you said no, you will mm -hmm. yourself like you yeah. talk to yourself about your confidence. Yeah. And uh, and then even Kimberly, when you were talking about earlier, a little bit earlier about the energy um, that we bring, we we change and kind of control our energy. It, we think we can hide things, but it comes out right in our energy and we we can control that by, again, how we think and how we speak and what we say to ourselves. So that self-talk is really important when it comes to leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the power of just having influence and how we can get that. Um, we, I think it's important. I'm in um, marketing and branding as well. And so, you know, understanding the value that you bring to the table can kind of help um, level set and help us know how we want to impact and have influence in our world. So how have you all managed to have influence? Um, it sounds like creating groups and um, did social media help with that at all? Like, how did you, how did you create your influence in the world? Hey, that, um, and I, and I, I think Barbara, we probably came up at about the same time. We had to create our influence by what we did because we had to create our influence before social media was what it was. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, to do that, it, it goes back to confidence, but I really believe in, and Barbara, thank you. Cause what you said was so inspirational. I would add to that, that the best way to build the confidence that makes you show up. So people want to be influenced by you mm-hmm. is to really not compare yourself to other people. Right. right? Like we who have had to build influence because of what we did, we didn't do it because we were comparing ourselves to other people. We compared ourselves to ourselves. Yep. Wow. Yep. Right. And so every, every small success that we had, we then had to have a larger success. Yep. And as people saw us on that journey of challenging ourselves to be our, our best, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that's when you show up as a real influencer. You know, you can have so many followers on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, but they're just followers on a a machine, right? Like they're just looking at you here. They don't know your heart. They don't know the, the journey. They don't know the scars. They don't understand what it takes to be where you are. And I, and I believe that building that authentic influence leads to authentic connections yeah. to people knowing, hey, this is someone who has really lived the story they're telling. So when they are offering influence or they're offering their opinion um, or they're supporting a product or an event or a person, it's because it's coming from a place of knowledge, knowledge, book knowledge, knowledge, life knowledge, and knowledge with the heart, right? This is what is important, or this didn't work for me, but let me tell you how it could possibly work for you because of experiences that we have had. And, yeah. and I think that's what that that's something that, you know, it's it's like a it's an old art, right? It's an old art, it's it's a craft, it's it's that um griot and and being able to relay stories that really happened and from generation to generation so that the knowledge that you have lived mm-hmm. is on and um, influences the next generations to be able to achieve what they need to achieve and to find that confidence. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That authenticity is key. Yeah. Um, Barbara, what about um, the influence that you've been able to have as well? I, I would imagine um, having a friendship with Venus and sitting on her couch um, that had to, uh, require some just authenticity, like um, being able yeah. to get into those those worlds. Well, I mean, I, I believe that my experience and my work got me into that, you know, um, because V didn't know me before she met me, right? right? Doing so, good work. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, so the, Kimberly has said, I mean, we were, we were building before social media. Right. And so, you know, while we were building, we couldn't post it on social media like, hey, I'm working for Adidas. Hey, Adidas gave me my own category of business. And, you know, now it's called Adidas Originals. And, you know, I didn't have anywhere to post that. Right. We have Black Enterprise, but I didn't have anywhere to post that on a daily basis. But, you know, um, you know, I I I don't really look at it as being influenced. I just look at it as just being me and who I am. And I just try to be authentic in everything that I do. And I try to bring yeah. that uh, that that 
that authenticity to that. And, you know, and I also, when you get to be a certain age too, you get to a point that what people opinions are of, of you, is just doesn't matter. Your business. <laughs> right. right. So, I mean, like, I can't, I can't say that I get myself so wrapped up into what people think about me because that doesn't serve me. Right. right. It just creates additional noise. And I am my greatest critic. So right. I don't need outside noise to add to that. Okay. Well, great. That is awesome. When we come back, I'm going to do, um, we have just a few minutes. I want to do some rapid fire questions and ask you all just a few things that may have nothing to do with direct leadership, but just fun stuff to get to know you all better and remind people where they can follow you. We'll be right back. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. I I hate that we're coming to the end of this. We only have five minutes left and I feel like I still have so much to talk about. So, um, but I want to first, before we go too far and we run out of time, I want to make sure that people know where to follow you. I don't think, Kimberly, we didn't even get to, I think, Bumbershoot or is that how you pronounce your company name? But please, each of you tell people how they can follow you and learn more about you. So um, you can follow me. Uh, Instagram, Kimberly.L.Minor, and LinkedIn, Kimberly Lee Minor. Great. Those are the two best places to follow me. Okay. And then Miss Barbara? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. So I have Instagram for Lick You Silly Pet Products. <laughs> okay. uh, so our Instagram is actually Lick You Silly Yum Yum because pet products was taken. So lick you silly yum yum. Okay. And um, you can also follow me at Barbara Clark Ruiz and you can follow me on LinkedIn at Barbara Clark Ruiz. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so we're gonna do some rapid fire questions. So each of you, Barbara, we'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Favorite book? Oh, uh, I think somewhat, someone knows my name. Okay. Is that a novel or is that a a novel? Uh, Lawrence, I can't remember his last name. His name is Lawrence something, but awesome book. Oh man. Every every woman of color should read that. Okay. Okay. Someone knows my (laughs) name. Love it. Okay. Kimberly, your favorite book? Well, I have two. Okay. Okay. So um, Isabel Wilkerson, The um, Warmth of Other Suns, favorite book. Like I would wake myself up at two o'clock in the morning to read it. It's very thick, but it's fabulous. Um, and uh, from a business perspective, profit from the core. Okay. Uh, really important. And it, it's important to apply it to yourself too. It goes back to that authenticity, right? Understanding who you are and what you stand for and where the adjacencies are. So those two books. Great. Great. Um, favorite self-care routine. Um, Kimberly, go ahead. Okay. So self-care. Hmm. Uh I like to go into a room and just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like to just be quiet. Silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara. Um, I like to, I like to take, I like to take long walks and I like to take them, you know, by myself and well, not always by myself, but you know, I'd like to be able to spend time alone and just kind of focus on my thoughts and just be quiet. Okay. I don't do that very often. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And um, we'll go ahead and start with Barbara again. Um, Favorite quote or scripture? Uh, 
it's um gosh it's Irma Bombay. Okay. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase, but it essentially says that um, when uh, you get to the pearly gates, you want to be able to say to God that, he, that I used everything he gave me. Yes. So that's what I'd like to be able to say at the end of this journey. Yes. Awesome. And I screwed up the quote, but you get the gist. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then finally, um, Kimberly, your favorite quote or scripture. Okay. So my favorite quote is by Osho. And it is, don't wait for someone to bring you flowers. Plant your own garden and water your own spirit. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Well, I think we may be close to being out of time. I haven't gotten my last like 30 seconds yet. (laughs) So we may have time for um, maybe one more quick one. And it sounds like I was going to ask, what is your favorite splurge? Like one word. What's your favorite splurge? Unfortunately, my car. <laughs> Wait, someone said spa? Yes, I like to go to like Miraval and Canyon Ranch and just go oh. by myself for a week at a time. Uh, and then, nice. Barbara, you said a car? You I, like said, to... I said it's my car. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we all want to know what kind of car you have. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's nice, though. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> However we splurge, that's fine. We work hard, we can splurge. Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you so much. This has been an awesome um, time learning more about you all. Uh, great. I'm so inspired in so many ways um, and definitely want to follow you all and keep in contact. And I think it, this is such an awesome conversation because as we're talking about us just growing and stepping up, it's not always about how many degrees, but what our connections are and how we're taking care of the inside. So you all have really um, shown that and demonstrated that to us today in this discussion about women in leadership. So thank you so much. And I hopefully we can all connect again. I just want to give a special shout out to Lee. She jumped in here and like, you know, first she was supposed to be co-hosting, but she did such a phenomenal job and, you know, just really you know, it was breathtaking and it was lovely speaking with all you ladies. So just like, yes, this was thank, just amazing. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank thank you. you so much. This was thank a wonderful you. time. Thank I love I enjoyed this. Women support women. Yeah. Yes. Period. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. All right. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.